0: Have you ever said, God doesn't care about me? Or have you ever said, God is against me? Have you ever said or thought, well, it doesn't matter if I pray. God's going to do whatever He wants anyway. Or maybe God did miracles a long time ago, but I don't see them anywhere. He must not do them anymore today. Now, it wouldn't be a surprise to you that the Bible does not teach any of these things. Just the opposite. God does care about you. Very much. God is for you. He's not against you. He is for you. It does matter if you pray. And God does still answer prayers. God does do miracles today. Now, if you've come to believe any of those negative false beliefs that I mentioned just a moment ago, it's it's probably because there's something going on in your life that is skewing your perspective. You might be upset with God today. You might be running from God today. You might have had to sort of fight kicking and screaming to even come to church today. But for some reason, you're here today. The Lord has brought you here in order to have you listen to Him And I might just be so bold as to say that would you consider that God is not the problem? (laughs) That maybe the problem is us. Isn't that nice how I softened that? I didn't just say the problem is you. I softened it. The problem is us, okay? But if you really want to get down to it, sometimes the problem is that person you look at in the mirror. And if your beliefs about God are skewed, it might be that God hasn't moved, but you have. You know, when Christians believe Satan's lies about God and believe Satan's lies about themselves, it's a sign that they've taken their focus off of Christ. But think about that. What would cause us to move our gaze? off of someone who is so perfect and so beautiful and so wonderful and so loving as Christ. Why would anyone ever want to take his eyes away from Christ? Maybe, and probably it's because of troubles, difficulties, challenges bad circumstances, maybe illnesses, financial problems, relationships on the rocks. And maybe this rings true with you. Maybe today you're not able to see God moving in the midst of your problems, but I want to promise you something. He's, He's there. He's still there. He's active. He is on your side. He wants the best for you. He loves you. And one of the keys... To you, changing things around, at least in your mind, is prayer, getting back to prayer. You see, your goal today, I believe, should be to align your heart with the heart of God. And when you pray, I believe that you can see the mighty hand of God moving even in the bad times. And that's what I hope we'll discover together today. I hope that we'll see the importance of prayer today and how you can pray in such a way that you begin to see God moving. Prayer is the means that God has ordained by which He will work on earth and He will meet the needs of His children. Prayer is not preparation for the battles of the day. Prayer is the battle. And if you're engaging in prayer, You're engaging in spiritual warfare. And the victory is yours. Now, if you have come for whatever reason to believe that God does not work through prayer, I want you to listen to a few Bible verses. And these may be familiar to you. Jesus said, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who searches, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What man among you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, Jesus said, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. And as we've seen in our journey through the book of James, James told us very bluntly, you do not have because you do not ask. There is power when we pray. These verses here confirm the consistent testimony of Scripture that God works through prayer. And if you don't pray, you may not see the hand. It may become a self fulfilling prophecy that God's not moving because you're not praying. How important is prayer? It's this important. Those 12 disciples, as misguided as they sometimes were when they were with the Lord when He was here on the earth, those 12 disciples asked Jesus to teach them. One thing, they did not ask Jesus to teach them to teach others. They didn't ask them to teach us how to teach others. They didn't ask him, him, teach us how to preach. They didn't ask him, teach us how to work miracles. But the one thing that they asked Jesus was this, teach us to pray. Why would these men, who sometimes got it so wrong, nail that? I believe it's because they knew the source of Jesus' power resulted from his relationship with God the Father. They saw Jesus get alone to pray. They saw Jesus lead them in prayer. Turn in your Bibles to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. These are the verses that we'll focus on today. We're in the series called James, A Faith That Works. And I would ask you to stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. In James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. I'll read aloud and you can follow along silently. The scripture says, in James 5, verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again. And the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd guide us into your wisdom and into your knowledge as we understand the power of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to show you four things that God can do when you pray. Okay? Four simple things that God can do when you pray. Through prayer, first of all, God can comfort you. Look at verse 13 again. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray; is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Let me ask you a simple question: What do you do when the bad times come? I complain and I moan and I groan, and I fuss and I post things on Facebook and I just listen, Scripture tells us to do what you already know to do. Pray, when the bad times come. You need to pray. Verse 13 says it. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Suffering can come in in many forms. Illness. The mourning over those that we've lost. Difficulties sometimes caused by our own actions. But the word translated suffering here, specifically in other places, refers to enduring evil treatment by other people. Being persecuted, being abused, being mistreated because of your faith. And that's the kind of suffering that the people that James originally wrote to was going through. They, They had lost jobs. Some of them had been thrown in prison. Some of them had faced all kinds of difficulties because they had stood up for their faith. And they were being abused to one degree or another. And James is saying to them, Whatever it is that's causing you to suffer, whoever it is that's causing you to suffer, and I would say even more broadly than just being persecuted, whether it's illness or you're going through a difficult time emotionally, you're being mistreated by others, whatever it might be, the proper response is simply to pray. To pray. And Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, Jonah prayed, and do you, do you recall where Jonah was in Jonah chapter 2? when he finally prayed. I mean, I love the book of Jonah. Because in all of Jonah chapter 1, Jonah doesn't pray. He's running from God. God said, go to Nineveh. He said, I'm, I'm going to Tarsus." No one's ever heard of Tarsus. He's going to Tarsus. He gets on a, a boat, on a ship, with a bunch of unbelievers. The ship starts to have trouble, ship starts to sink. They come down, they find him asleep. They say, what are you doing, man? Pray to your God. We're all praying to our gods. Pray to your God. Jonah does not pray. It's not until they throw him in. He gets swallowed by a big fish. That's when he finally decides to pray. I like Jonah because Jonah's about as stubborn as a lot of us. And listen to what Jonah prayed in Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. He said, as my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. You know, some of us, we don't pray until our life seems to be fading away. But even then, pray. Remember the Lord. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Peter 5, 7 is a beautiful verse. It says, cast all your care upon Him, because He cares for you. He cares for you. Why should you pray? Because Scripture says that God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our affliction. What is it we should pray for when we're going through a bad time? James already told us that. We're to pray for wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives wisdom generously. But you know we have to ask in faith, believing that he will give us that wisdom. So if you're suffering, don't hesitate to pray. Don't hesitate to pray. But, but if you're cheerful, if things are going well, what should you do? pray. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to God. That's what verse 13 says. Is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. You know that happiness is a gift from God and happiness is a gift that you should receive with gratitude and here's what you do when, when things are going well even when things are just surface, but things just happen to be going well, and you're just having a good day, here's what you do. Give your happiness back to God in the form of praises. Return your joy. Point it to the Lord. And just say, thank you, God. Thank you for a good day. I've had some bad ones. Glad to have a good one. Because the good times, the bad times, they come and go. When the bad times come, when you suffer, you need to pray. When the good times come, and you're cheerful, praise God. Simple enough. Through prayer, God can comfort you. And secondly, through prayer, God can restore you. Verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Prayer is needed when you become sick. Verse 14 again says, Is anyone among you sick? Now let's look at this carefully. The word sick, let's translate the word sick, it doesn't always mean those that are suffering from medical ailments. It literally is the word that we should translate weak. It describes people Believers who feel fallen, they're discouraged, they're distressed, they're weary. And that can be caused by sickness. Or it can be caused by having a weak faith. It can be caused by having a weak conscience. conscience. Whatever it is that's causing you spiritually to be down and weak. Scripture gives you a prescription. Whatever's causing you, whenever you're spiritually weak, there's a a pattern here for you to follow. Number one, you should call for the pastors of the church. Verse 14 says very clearly, Is anyone among you sick or weak? He must call for the elders of the church. The elders, who are the elders? The old people? Not necessarily. The word elders is interchangeable with pastors. Although I am getting older by the day. The elders are the pastors of the church. They are the men that God has given the congregation to serve His people as pastors. And so, I'm going to be very clear with you, very blunt with you. If you're sick, or for any other reason, you're weak, and you need prayer, you need to call the pastors. Right now it's Gary and me. You need to call one of us. Okay? Posting it on Facebook is not letting me know. Okay? Post it on Facebook all you want. I don't care. But that's not letting me know. What I want to avoid is someone posting something on Facebook and then getting mad at the pastor because the pastor didn't know. Believe it or not, I'm not on Facebook that often. I will probably miss what you put on Facebook. If you need prayer from a pastor, you got to let me know. I put my email. We put Both of our emails, our cell phones, are there in the bulletin. Call the church office. Let us know somehow so that we can come and pray for you. Putting on Facebook is not telling the pastors. Telling somebody else is not telling the pastors. Okay, there's a responsibility that you have when you need prayer from a pastor. And You've got to contact, you've got to connect with the pastors. And so um, I have yet to find an omniscient pastor who knows everything that's going on in everyone's life. And I have yet to receive that gift from the Lord. And I don't think I'll ever get it. And so uh, please understand, if you're suffering, we want to pray for you. You've got to let us know directly, okay? Scripture makes that very clear. The second part of this process is that the pastors are to come to where you are. Sometimes we might be able to pray over the phone, but, but if you're really discouraged, if there's, if there's a sickness, an illness, it is the pastor's responsibility to come to you. I know that there are pastors out there that are so big for their britches, they never make any visits to anybody. That is a dereliction of duty. Okay, Scripture tells the pastors very clearly to go exactly where their people, for God's people, are. Because the pastors, when they go to the person, they serve as the church's representatives. And by being physically present at your side when you're weak, the pastors demonstrate that your weakness, whatever it might be, an illness or whatever it might be, it is not a cause for exclusion from the fellowship of God. Because you might feel that way. If you're spiritually weak, that, oh, no one loves me. The church has turned its back on me. You might might think all kinds of things that just aren't true. And so when the pastors go to visit you personally and they pray over you, it is a sign that you're not excluded from the fellowship just because you're feeling weak. It's a sign that the church embraces you when you're weak. We stand with you when you're weak. We are by your side when you're weak. The next thing Scripture tells us to do is that the pastors of the church, the elders, should anoint you with oil. What in the world is this all about? I thought we were Baptists. What's going on here? One of two things. Either the anointing with oil, and we're talking about olive oil, not motor oil. Okay. Uh, Either the anointing with oil is a, a spiritual exercise that shows some type of spiritual anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the person's life. Or, on the other hand, it may be uh, something that's more medical. And let me explain why I might believe that. The word translated anoint here is not the typical word that's meant to anoint. The word in this verse literally means to smear. And it's a term that's used to describe how olive oil was used in ancient medical treatment. The idea is that James is saying that for those Christians who've been physically abused through persecution, even those who have a medical ailment, they need two things. They need spiritual care and they need medical treatment. The fourth thing that needs to happen is that the elders of the church should pray for you to be strengthened, pray for you to be made whole. Look at verse 15 again. It says, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. him. And so the elders draw very close to the one who is sick. I mean, physically close to the one who is sick. And the prayer that's uttered, James is saying, should be made directly over the one who is weak, the one who is sick and touching the body of the sick with oil in the name of Jesus, and joining their voices in prayer above the body for the sick person is what's being described here. It's very similar to what Elijah did when he prayed for the widow, for the son of the widow of Zarephath. The Bible says, Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him. And he lived. And so when the elders, when the pastors of the church come to you when you're weak and you're sick and we pray for you, that prayer will strengthen you, it will encourage you, it will help you if you're feeling discouraged and distressed and weary. And your own faith will be restored. Now, before we move on, let me address what Scripture says about prayer and its role in healing. A few principles. Number one. As a believer in Christ. You have the right to ask for healing from the Lord. God has revealed himself to his people in Exodus 15 verse 26. As Yahweh Ropheka, Sometimes translated or pronounced Yahweh Rafa. I am the Lord who heals you. Now, when God's kingdom is fully consummated and Jesus has returned and there's a new heaven and a new earth, there will no longer be any sickness. We won't have to deal with this anymore. Although we await that day, we are still today part of God's eternal kingdom. Right now, we experience in part God's eternal kingdom. So don't be afraid to ask God to do miracles. God can do them. God can do them. We do not have time to list all of the miracles, even the medical miracles, that God has done in this body. Principle number two. God heals. And sometimes He uses medical means to do so. Let me show you from Scripture. In Acts 28... The very last chapter of the book of Acts, Paul and Luke. Luke, by the way, is a physician. They're shipwrecked in Malta. The father of uh, Publius was very ill, and Paul. It says Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. The word used in Acts 28 verse 8 to describe the miraculous healing by Paul is a word called "iomai." The next verse says that others on the island who were sick also were brought in to be healed but the word described for their healing is a different word it's not the word i am i it's the word therapeuo you get the word therapy from it that word means that medicine was practiced upon them and so god used paul's prayer to bring out bring about a miracle of healing And he also used Luke's expertise as a physician to bring about healing to others. You see, God heals with and without the use of medicine. In fact, if there's any healing at all, it is God who does it. God is the one who gets credit. Principle number three about prayer and healing. It may not be In God's will for healing to occur in a particular case. You can pray for healing, but the Bible also instructs you to seek God's will. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 7 through 10, Paul earnestly prays for healing that does not occur. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 20, Paul prayed. For a friend and a helper, Trophimus, who remained sick at Miletus. And yet, Paul, even though he had what we would call the gift of healing, Paul did not heal him. We have no record if the person was healed or not. Through prayer, God can do something else, He can strengthen your relationships. Verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. You know, the Bible clearly teaches that some people get sick because of sin in their lives. Not everyone who's sick is because of sin. But sometimes a person needs a wake-up call. And the Lord allows someone to get sick because there's sin in their life. And that since that's a possibility, if you become sick or if you become spiritually weak, you should view it as an opportunity to examine your heart and confess your sins to God. I know you might be saying, wait a minute, pastor. So you're saying that if I'm sick or I'm spiritually weak, it might be a sign of sin in my life. And I'm supposed to call you, my pastor, to come and pray for me? Wouldn't that be... And a, an exposure of my life, then maybe there's sin in my life? And I'd say, yeah. Maybe. But that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You see, when you're suffering and you call on the pastors of the church to come and pray for you, it shows that you have a contrite, humble, repentant heart. And it's natural that a part of that time of prayer with the pastors would involve the possibility of you confessing your sins to God. And if you do confess your sins to God, James says, they'll be forgiven. They'll be forgiven. Through prayer, God can show you His power. Verse 16, the second part says, The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Earnest and persistent prayer is essential. And God can do anything that He chooses to do when you pray. Tony Campolo tells a story about being in a church in Oregon. And he was asked to pray for a man who had cancer. And he prayed boldly for this man's healing. The next week, he got a telephone call from the man's wife. She said, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. And Campolo thought, man, this is great. Because she used the past tense. He had cancer. And he just assumed that that cancer had been eradicated. But before he could think much more about it, she continued and said, he died. Tony Campolo felt terrible. And he expressed that. And she said, don't feel bad. When he came into church that Sunday, he was filled with anger. He knew that he was going to be dead in a short period of time and he hated God. for it. He was 58 years old and he wanted to see his children and grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was toward everyone around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. But then she told... Tony Campolo, after you prayed for him, a peace had come over him and a joy had come into him. Tony, the last three days have been the best days of our lives. We've sung, we've laughed, we've read scripture, we've prayed. Oh, they've been wonderful days. And I called to thank you for laying your hands on him. And praying for healing. And then she said something incredibly profound. She said, he wasn't cured, but he was healed.